I'm Christian Abbott. I'm Nathan Lavender. I'm Sean Abbott. And this is the Red Mist Podcast. Welcome to the Redness Podcast, Season 2, Episode 36. The Ken Schrader, Pontiac, M&M's, NASCAR. See, Christian, I get, I get to uh, have full reign on these picks uh, now that Sean's not on this episode. But I, I was going to say, it's, it's your choice tonight. You, get, you can you control, <laughs> the, uh, control the pick. Yeah, Sean Abbott is on assignment tonight, uh, but hopefully he's having a fun time wherever he is in a uh, We'll more than likely see him next week. Anyway, on tonight's episode, we're going to discuss NASCAR at Bristol, the night race. And speaking of night, uh, we're going to have also, further on the episode, we're going to talk about the F1 race that happened at Singapore. Um, but after NASCAR, we are going to speak on the IMSA race that happened at Indianapolis. So let's dive into the world's fastest half mile. And Nathan, I take it away. Little, I, th- I think it's a little cliche because you, you go to some half-mile tracks and they claim that they're the fastest half-mile. They're all half-miles. They're all, they all claim to be the fastest half-mile. But if, this, in my eyes, is the world's fastest half-mile. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what track you go, what old track you go to. They all claim that they're the fastest whatever distance. <laughs> I, it's, every track I go to, fastest whatever, fastest whatever. I'm like, okay. <laughs> right. Like, oh, must I guess they're trying to sell tickets or something. Who knows? But anyway, so, and and I'm going to speak on this good news that happened. Uh, Goodbye dirt next year. Uh, Goodbye dirt race. Good riddance. If you're asking me, Um, I missed the food city 500. And uh, Christian, I know you're not much of a NASCAR fan, but I mean, I'm not much of a fan of the dirt racing for the cup side, the trucks I can totally see happening. And I think should stay at the trucks. Well, if you were talking about the top three tier series in NASCAR, uh, because look, I mean, I think it's the latter idea to get up to cup. I don't think dirt should really be touching NASCAR, especially with the cars. Now the next gen cars really don't mix well with dirt. From I mean, I don't mind what a, I've seen. I don't mind a dirt race with the cup cars. Just maybe not Bristol, you know? So I, because yeah, I mean the yeah. tr- the trucks at El- the trucks at Eldora do a great job. I, yeah, maybe the maybe the Cup cars would be better on a on a flatter track. I mean, it, well, anything's flatter compared to Bristol, but um, right, right. So yeah. I, anyway, so, so let's uh, let's take a look at uh, the Bristol Night Race that happened. Uh, well, where's Sean when you need it? Uh, Denny Boo Hamlin was on the front row <laughs> a row with uh, Christopher Bell. Christopher Bell took the pole position. And he scooted it away from the front. And there was a, this was a cutoff race, so there's going to be four drivers being eliminated from going on to the round of 12. So we go underway, and uh, Christopher Bell takes the early lead. And I'll tell you who surprised me early on was that uh, front row racing car, or front row motorsports, 
of uh, Michael McDowell. He was he was fighting in the top five for a large majority at the beginning of the race. Uh, I believe he ended up finishing somewhere in the top ten. He needed it, he was so many far like so many points behind. I mean, his only real way to get into the round of uh, the round of twelve was to get a win or have like drivers like Logano, Harvick. Uh, I would even say Busher, Daryl Wallace, Stenhouse, right? A, a, a drivers within the bubble, the cutoff area, to have bad or bad luck, right? Or you know, little little luck on Michael McDowell's side. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the evening, it wasn't it wasn't meant to be for Michael McDowell. I mean, going into this, I was thinking Michael McDowell probably didn't have the best chance of getting in. I would, you know, I already had him kind of as a a driver that would, you know, kind of see the door out. And I was still a little skeptical of Ricky Stenhouse because Ricky Stenhouse traditionally has been pretty good at Bristol. Like, besides Daytona, Talladega, right, where he's pretty good at the uh, super speeder races, I mean, hence the Daytona 500 win earlier this year, um, he's, he usually shows up at the Bristol race. And so I don't think you really see much performance on dirt, only, he is a dirt racer, but Bristol on dirt is just a different animal. Um, but going on, uh, Christopher Bell did win uh, stage one. And uh, he was showing that he was going to be a force to be reckoned with in the race. Uh, AJ Allmendinger got into the wall uh, and collected Austin Sindrick. Uh, two non-playoff drivers, which, I mean, <laughs> I, I didn't... It's it's funny because it, it looked very much like how they got into it uh, last year when they ha- uh, were coming to the finish line in the Xfinity race where they created that amazing finish with uh, Justin Allgaier and whatnot. Uh, but, I mean, as the race went on, it would get dark and you kind of saw that the uh, pressure was getting... Uh, the, the pressure cooker started getting more intense. Um, and what ended up happening was it, it, drivers like Kevin Harvick weren't anywhere. Kevin Harvick was more so flirting with the just just reaching the top 25, top 30. He was nowhere all night. And I don't know if it was just plain old setup or just something, something was off, something was missing. And, I mean, the team is kept rallying behind them saying, hey, you could do this, let's go. But I think Kevin Harvey kind of knew where, you know, the end of the race was going to hold up, uh, what he was destined for, really. And uh, Joey Logano, he was he was looking for uh, a good finish, but he would get collected in the Corey LaJoy crash. <laughs> I mean... Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just, I guess you could call it a racing deal, but I just, it's tough when, when I, uh, I mean, this, this is just one of those scenarios where you have this playoff system and you really rely on three races to, like, have, to have good results and a non-playoff driver could have something happen and then all of a sudden you get collected in someone else's mess. Now, um, I'm, to be, to be quite frank, I'm surprised it didn't happen to more drivers to, uh, at the night race just because Bristol just brings out that uh, craziness 
And um, but I'll tell you, I was looking for like Kyle Larson and like Tyler Reddick to have a good night, and and they did. You know, it, they they were already on, so this was kind of like a a free race for them, just to kind of like set, play with strategy and see how the race would fan out uh, for them, just doing whatever. But revisiting. Uh, Let's see. So, like, let's see. Let's go to the end of stage two. Christopher Bell again would win uh, the stage. But someone that was um, I was really keeping an eye on was Carson Hosovar, who's filling in for Noah Gregson in the 42 car. He had a great night. He was in the top ten. I believe he ended up finishing second. Christopher Bell won stage two. And now you know what the race is going to be at the end. And revisiting the Corey LaJoy crash, this, it kind of started, that, that started the whole stage three drama, if you will. So right away you see Joe Lagana crash. I'm sticking a fork in his playoff chances, and sure enough, there, there was nothing really more that happened throughout the night. And Kevin Harvick was still... Still behind in um, whatever setup he had in his car and wasn't going anywhere. He was just stuck wherever he was. And Ricky Stenhouse and Michael uh, McDowell didn't really progress anywhere either. So take a guess. Uh, the three, or I'm sorry, the four drivers that got eliminated from playoff contention uh, Kevin Harvick who is in his last season in NASCAR, will not get another championship. Um, Joe Logano, the defending Cup Series champion, is not going to back up his uh, his uh, reigning efforts as being a champion of the Cup Series. And Ricky Stenhouse, the Daytona 500 winner, is out, and Michael McDowell uh, will not uh, proceed further in the playoffs. But guess what that leaves? Who? 12 drivers. Really? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so we still have William Byron, uh, Martin Truex Jr., who are mm-hmm. tied for, for the lead with plus 25 above the cut line. Then, uh, where's Sean for this? Danny Boo Hamlin is in third. Um, who won, after all, right? Let's, let's, you know. Yeah, he did. You know what I loved about that? He he said to he said in his like post race interview or or something like that. He's like, I beat your favorite driver. Oh. <laughs> That's it's not a bad comeback. No, it's pretty pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and here I'm thinking, oh, Brad Keselowski, Brad Keselowski might make it, right? So, <laughs> but Christopher Pusher, I was thinking he was gonna have a good night because he won it last year and he he did all right. You know, mm-hmm. um, but back to the points. Um, Kyle Larson is in fourth, plus 12 above the cut line. Then there's Chris Busher, Kyle Bush, uh, Christopher Bell, who won two of the stages, uh, and Tyler Reddick, uh, one of the winners from the uh, round of 16, if I guess we'll, we'll call it. So interesting stuff so far. 
um, there's three different winners in the last three races, and then the next three races, I'm oh gosh, I mean, this, let's see, Texas, Talladega, and then the Roval at Charlotte. So you have, I mean, <laughs> three, three, three completely different tracks yeah. and ideas of a track. And um, now outside the top eight, now this is this is the reset points. Uh, so you have Ross Chastain minus three, along with Brad Keselowski, same amount minus three from the cut line of uh, Tyler Reddick, and then uh, Ryan Blaney minus six, and uh, Bubba Wallace get it moves on to the top twelve, and is minus fourteen uh, from the cut line, the bubble spot. So I I'll tell you, let's see what happens at Texas. I uh, I'll tell you who might have a really good showing at Texas is uh, Ryan Blaney. He's been really good at the uh, um, mile and a halfs. He won the uh, All Star race, I believe it was last year or the year before, and he won the Coca Cola Six Hundred earlier this year, a uh, marquee NASCAR race. And so he has that in his checkbox. And I mean, if you win on, you know. What was it Memorial Day weekend for Penske? Even though it's not the Indy 500, I mean you're still in that same realm of accomplishments with the captain. So good on him, and maybe he carries that momentum to Texas. So uh, it'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. And then you know the Roval. Uh, I mean, let's see. It's it's. I just hate that they're putting the stages on this. Like, why are you going backwards? Aren't, aren't they also doing it's a road the, course aren't they also using the last chicane for the restarts as well <laughs> which this, which I just sure but you're gonna have people you're gonna you're I, I'm gonna call it now you're gonna have people running over each other and like wrecking like five cars and maybe have a track block and then someone has to go through the inside stop and then get going because that's the rule. They don't, wait, hang on, that's the rule. You have once you, if you cut that chicane, or at least I don't, I don't know. As of late, that's what it's been. You have to mm-hmm. stop to a complete stop, and then go. Or NASCAR is going to say, "Oh, come in, do a, I guess a stop and go, or, or maybe a drive through, something of mm-hmm. that nature." Which I just, I don't know. I think. I think what they're trying to do is to stop the shenanigans that happens go, going into the. You ready for this? The Tom's heartburn turn. It makes perfect sense for it. Yeah, I, that's wanted to be there. Well, but didn't they have issues with the chicane the first year that they ran it? The first year they ran it, I, it made I a um, I just... tremendous finish. I mean, because do you, I don't know if you remember. That was a year. That was the first year Jimmy Johnson was winless, and he like he choked mm. and spun and collect Truex, and Ryan Blaney stole the one the win. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, because I I thought so. I, I mean I know that that turn is just kind of noted for just having absurd dive bombs going in there, but I I just I thought there was one one year that like literally every other car that came through there was just sending it down the inside and just wailing the other guy off. And then you were like, it, it was kind of like at the drop whether you were going to make make it through there clean or not. And then didn't it rain one year? 
Or do they not uh, run this in the rain? It ran in the rain in the Xfinity race. And um, that was a really insane topsy-turvy mm-hmm. race. I think AJ Allmendinger won that race. Mm-hmm. But he's 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 had a great streak with the uh, Xfinity series at that track. So I think he's won right. like three or four races. Something yeah. something crazy, more than two for sure. All right. Uh, well. And and maybe you know he shows up <laughs> for the, the cup race. But I'll tell you, mm-hmm. I'm looking at Tyler Reddick for this race for the Roval for for the yeah. I know I'm skipping ahead past Texas. Yeah, but, I was gonna say we're we're a couple of races. We're jumping a couple head races ahead, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's we'll we'll cross that bridge when we do. But I mean, we go to Texas. I just maybe a couple of surprises us, right? But we'll 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 see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, I couldn't really tell you who's going to win Texas because uh, it could be anybody. Maybe Christopher Bell. Texas you know. or Talladega. Uh, well, Teldig is more of a crapshoot yes. compared to all of them. Mm-hmm. And it would be cool to see uh, Chris Buescher win at his home track in Texas. Because, mm-hmm. uh, what is it? I, I forget the town he's from, but I know he's from Texas. <laughs> uh, so that'd be, that'd be really cool. Anywho, so Point standings, races coming up. There we go. Anything to add? Prosper, Texas. That's where he's from. Prosper, Texas. Yeah. Must be prosperous. Ho, ho, ho. Got him. Got him. So, uh, to the brickyard? To the brickyard. For, like, the fifth time this year, I think. Just in general, Those are... <laughs> yeah. Because twice at IndyCar, no, three times. Yeah, three times at IndyCar. But I guess you spend the whole month of May there, so you, it's really not a whole separate trip there. Um, NASCAR went there and bring back the Brickyard. Bring back the yeah. Brickyard Four Hundred. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind seeing that race come back. Um, and then now IMSA's there. So there's been a lot of racing that's gone on there this year, which is good. I mean, props to Roger and and everyone at the Speedway for getting this stuff together. Um, overall, race was good. Um, can't really complain too much when, when you have a, some good action going on there, and it seems like everyone... Um, enjoyed being at Indianapolis. Uh, I don't know if the consensus of if the track is good for a sports car race in general. Um, but I mean, I think that's always kind of the nature of this, this road course is that it's the draw is it's Indy, but <laughs> the downside is that it's the road course and the road course, just kinda, <laughs> it, it just lacks character for a better term. Um, aside from literally just crossing the yard of bricks. Um, so it, it's, it was an interesting start. 
I'm gonna add. I mean, because yeah. I mean, what is it? The, the, are the LMP2 cars allowed tire warmers? Because they caught up to the GTP class relatively quickly b- b- uh, before they got to the uh, the back straightaway. Um, I'm not too sure. I would probably err on the side of if I was gonna err on the side of caution, I'd probably say yes. Um, because you're, I, I guess you're putting in quote unquote amateur drivers or gentleman drivers in the cars, so you wouldn't want to put them on. Uh, put them out there with nothing. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, or, like, or if RJ, and listen to this, if RJ was there and he won, wouldn't you say he won the Indy 500? <laughs> he probably would. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I thought the race was fine, just just from how it was going. There was there was some strategy involved, which is good. Um, I mean, clearly the the Porsches in the GTP class were uh, the class of the field there. Um, and I mean, it's again, kind of ironic that a Penske is winning again at home. Um, but, <laughs> uh, they did in style one, they, two, they did, you know? they did. So, I mean, if um, you, I mean, come out in dominant fashion, if you're going to do that too. Right. So, right. Right. I mean, I mean, look, you know, think about this too. If you're going to, ha- now that Penske owns IMS, mm-hmm. so any team that he has in any series, when you want the race to uh, race to be at IMS because oh, I think the only real missing series is WC, which yeah. I don't know if you want to put a WC race at IMS because I mean well, they, Sebring is better, right? <laughs> Sebring is better, but the problem is that they're they're not going to Sebring next year. They're going they're returning to the Circuit of the Americas, which I mean. Uh, I know if you're asking me, this is a bit of a hot button subject, but I would rather go to Indy versus Kota. That's just my hot take. Um. Well, the the problem the problem is that the WEC teams or any <laughs> it seems like any FIA sanctioned uh, high level series has to have a garage. <laughs> um. So. <laughs> When, when IMSA and WEC were at Circuit of the Americas for the Lone Star Le Mans event that they put on a couple of years ago, um, right? All the all the WEC teams were in the garages, and that's where they pit. And then the all the IMSA teams had a um, they brought out barriers in the in the pit lane and brought out all of their um, pit wall stuff, and then they would go out there and and uh work out of that and not have to use that way they they weren't uh the IMSA teams weren't losing the uh benefit of having the garages to work out of um so it was just like any standard uh race for them um but then when it came to the WC race they the IMSA teams tore down their their pit lane stuff and the the walls were removed of the pit lane, so then the WC teams could go all the way in to their their normal pit box of how they would operate at at any of the tracks that they go to. Um, so it basically the the WC pit stops operate in in a fashion where they look very similar to an F one style setup, um, whereas IMSA's pit boxes look more like how you would with NASCAR where you're going up over a wall. Um, right. That's just, that's kind of the gist of it. 
anyways, I wouldn't mind seeing WC at Indy. However, I think this is getting back to the point of once this homologation goes through and we have enough data between the two series for any team to want to just go do a, do a race um, whenever they want to in between each other's. I think that would be the, that's kind of the ideal time of you can, it doesn't matter where they go. Anyone is invited to, to go and race at these things. Um, but I know car count is also an issue that we're getting into, especially with how the GT class is moving towards the GT3 cars. So then there's a lot more GT3 cars out there. So there's going to be in- more instant uh you're already upping your your potential car count right there just because it's a lot more ready readily available compared to the um gte cars that they're running yeah i mean i i i do like the lmp3 class i just it is a little weird how it's like at or a little slower than a GT3 car. When, right when running it, I mean, they have the straight line speed, right, in some cornering or. So the the LMP3 cars are on similar pace with the GTE cars, but they are still somewhat significantly quicker than GT3. So. It's it's not a it's not as close as you think, but it is definitely closer. I mean, it it's hard because the, the there's all these different classes that that are out there running, and it, it does get confusing at times. And honestly, I think this moving of of to the GT three platform, I, I wouldn't mind just seeing and with how the interest in in the um the the top prototype prototype classes coming, I I wouldn't be surprised if it is just hypercar um and gtp for the prototype cars and then just gt3 or some form of gt3 as your gt class uh, I, I think that would just simplify it from a fa- an outside fan perspective and you wouldn't have to worry about who's racing who because it's pretty clear of you're either in the prototypes or you're in the gt class one or the other um but you you do need a significant interest uh, in either one of these classes to drum up um, the car count that you're looking for to to fill pit, um, pit boxes. Yeah. So. I'm not understood. Um, but getting back to this past weekend, um, IMSA was at Indy. They did a standard sprint race there, two hours, 45 minutes. Um, very, again, uh, Porsche ended up walking away with a 1-2 in the top prototype class gtp um so the number six porsche with nick tandy and matthew gemini took the win uh number seven matt campbell and felipe nazar uh finished second and then in third it was the pmw of the 25 nick yellowly and connor de felipe um so definitely a good turnaround for them um with some of the results that they've had lately which is nice to see uh the number 31 action uh wheel and engineering uh car of Pippo Durrani and Alexander Sims did put on a good fight for the lead because um, I guess there was a 
there was a rule infraction of under a safety car where I guess the Porsches didn't didn't do what they were supposed to quick enough when given the command from race control, and then the because the thirty one was told to do it or to do basically the same thing of this of what the six and seven were were told to do, um, which was all they were doing was just overtaking some GT cars to reorder themselves under safety car. And um, I guess the the 31 did it quicker than the 6 and 7, so they just inherited the lead because of that. It was very odd. Um, but I, I guess that's, that's... I guess you can get caught sleeping under a safety car. Um, so, yeah. And then uh, in LMP2, uh, the winners were TDS Racing of Michael Jensen and Stephen Thomas. Um LMP3, we had AWA uh, of Wayne Boyd and Anthony Mattella. And down in the GT ranks for GTD Pro, it was WeatherTech Racing that, that took home the win with Daniel Candela and Jules Ganon. Um, to round out the rest of the podium, it was Heart of Racing and then Vassar Sullivan. Uh, and then for GTD, we had Windward Racing of Philip Ellis and Russell Ward. And then there was... And then it was U.S. Racetronics in a Lambo, uh, driven by Laura Spinelli and Misha Goikberg um, in second. And then uh, Paul Miller Racing with Brian Sellers and Madison Snow to round out the GTD podium. Um, as far, uh, go ahead. As far... I, I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. I was going to add yeah. one thing <laughs> about the McLaren. Because the McLaren, I was thinking it was going to have a really good run, and mm-hmm. they just they they just self destructed on the uh, main straight. Yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> that, that was, was that was tough to see. Um, yeah. I mean, they're they're. I thought they'd maybe get a win this year, but I mean, is is uh, is this the last race or is Petit Mons the last race? Yes. So, like, like this the, is ne- the next race. Yeah, this is the penultimate race. So, uh, up. The last race of the season is Petit Le Mans at Road Atlanta in... Where's the calendar? Looks like one, two, three, three, three weeks. four weeks. So it's October 14th. Oh, October 14th. Um, and this is also... This race is not only the last race of the the IMSA season, but it's also the last race of the, the Endurance Cup season that they have. So your Daytona 24, Sebring 12 hours... Watkins Glen six hours and Petit Le Mans. Those four uh, longer in um, races on the calendar are are part of a in season endurance championship that they have. So there's also um, uh, points that are being dished up for that. Um, as far yeah, as championship within a championship, yes. So. Um, as far as the points go, uh, going into the last race of the season, uh, the top three in prototypes in GTP are separated by five points so leading the way it's uh weather tech um uh, not weather tech wheel and engineering uh without alexander sims and pippo durani um and then three points back is wayne taylor racing with felipe albuquerque and ricky taylor um and then f- uh two more points back is the porsche penske of matthew Gemini and nick tandy 
So that is definitely going to be a battle to watch there. Um, uh, let's see. Other points going on. LMP2 is tight. It's 20 points between first and second place, um, which would be a good one. It's between TDS Racing and PR1 Matheson Motorsports. Um, in GT, or sorry, LMP3, it's kind of a walk away at this point with Gar Robinson uh, leading the way, uh, Riley. Um, and then in the GTD Pro, uh, looks like Vassar Sullivan has got it pretty locked up, and then Corvette Racing is in second. Um, so it it's kind of well. Actually, I shouldn't say that. There's still a good amount of points, but I mean, it's definitely a a big haul of points to try and overcome. Vassar Sullivan is. 190 points ahead of Corvette racing. So, I mean, it's, it's going to take a lot. Um, yeah. Luck is going to have to go their way. Yeah. yeah or something crazy, which I mean, they are going to a race that produces that. Yep. Yeah. I, I think, you know, <laughs> I think so, all Vassar I mean, Sullivan needs to do is just finish the race. Um, which don't get me wrong. It's not easy to do either. Uh, so that, that'll be a task in itself to do. Um, in, GTD, I think, no, not quite, not quite, but it's still a similar, similar manner with, um, oh, I just lost it, Paul Miller Racing is leading Heart of, Ra- Heart of Racing um, by almost 300 points, and I think a win is... It's either 300 or 320. No, sorry, it's 350 points. So, again, all they really need to do is just finish the race, um, and they'll have it wrapped up. So, um, yeah, I mean, starting to get to the end of the season in a lot of series. Um, I mean, IndyCar just finished up the other week. IMSA is coming down to their last race. WC has got a, a, another month off or so, and then they have their last race of the season. Um, and then, obviously, with NASCAR, we're in the playoffs. So, or oh, sorry, I should I should I should take that back. Uh, NASCAR the the regular season is over, so we're we're done with done with that. So, mm-hmm. so uh, anything else with him, sir? Um, there was rumors of an F one driver reportedly being uh called on for a ride for the Daytona twenty four next year. Upcoming oh, in January. I mean, they, I mean if, if wouldn't it be Jensen Button because he's doing JDC at Petit Oman? Oh, oh, sorry. So yes, Jensen Button is doing is doing Petit Le Mans, uh with JDC with JDC, and then um, but th- this is different. This is for the Daytona Twenty Four. Um, apparently, Wayne Taylor Racing has said that there is going to be an F one driver joining them or it it's in like the last stages of getting approval of it happening so with like active or has race one active (laughs) yeah so uh so but but because (laughs) slogan sergeant (laughs) well because acura or sorry because wayne taylor is acura the 
the brand association I would have to go with is a Honda driver. Um, so that leaves Red Bull and Alpha Tauri. Um, how so who do you, who do you who do you think it is? Because I I mean, far fetched, right? Max Verstappen, right? Yeah, I mean the the interest in doing sports car racing has been voiced pretty well from Max. Um, I don't because well, he wants to own a team, a team in GT3 or like yeah, one or two cars, yeah. right? So right, so he, I mean that's bound to happen. Yeah, maybe next year, maybe the 2025, something like that. Yeah, but um, the the thing is, is I haven't seen any of those guys at Red in at Red Bull or Alfatari driving a sports car lately. Um, so I, I'm actually leaning more towards it's, I think it's going to be Kevin Magnuson at Haas to be the one that might step in and do this. Um, because he did have a seat. If it wasn't with Wayne Taylor, I know it was with another, um, it was cat. Uh, it was, um, Chip Ganassi. It was in the uh, okay. one or the old two. So right. The he, he has so, seat time there. And uh, he, you know, he he nearly did a full season, right? Right before. Uh, well, I mean, he was committed to doing a full season before um, before he got called back up to go run an F one. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I I wouldn't be surprised if it was that because also Kevin's Kevin's dad is Ian Magnuson. And he's he he did a lot of time with uh, with Corvette racing, and then now I think now he's doing some GT three racing over in Europe and uh, uh, the Middle East as well. Um, so the the sports car connection there is pretty pretty clear as well. Um right. So anyways, there that's supposed to be uh there's supposed to be more of that coming out in probably the next month or so. Um but yeah. That that was the only other rumor that I saw floating around there with that. Um maybe Fred. Maybe he wants another Rolex. <sighs> Actually, I know he know, already got it. He already got it, but maybe you want another one. Yeah, but the, you know that that's actually a good pick because he did run with Wayne Taylor before, right? So I mean, the relationships are yeah, there. Yeah, so that that's actually a really good pick. And I mean, if you want to go further with it, you got Aston Martin that are going to be committing to Honda in twenty twenty six. So I mean, it's very possible. Yeah, yeah. I oh, don't. Yeah. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I don't know. I, I guess it's a little far-fetched too if we're sticking to the Red Bull AlphaTauri kind of, you know, putting a tinfoil hat on Yuki Tsunoda, right? But, I mean, we'll just have to see, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I I think I think we got a pretty uh, pretty good group of drivers that I think we're expecting this to be announced for. Um, and if it's anyone from outside of that, then, you know, it's probably going to shock us from that side too. So, um. All right. Well, enough of that speculation. Let's go to the uh, let's go to Singapore with F one, and we can discuss how Gun- Godzilla invaded the track there as well. Yeah. Right. I mean, beginning of FP one. <laughs> uh, and guess who the first driver to spot it was? Wasn't it Max? It was Max. Yeah, because yeah, he saw the lizard again, mm-hmm. and uh, sure enough, you know, it's deja vu for him. So, right. Chances are, it's probably the same lizard. 
you know, has that route figured out. Well, I, it's just like, I, oh, thought they, back. I thought they said it looked a little smaller than the, than the previous one. I mean, yeah, it, yeah, no, it's just a joke. But yeah, no, I it was a little smaller. Um, <laughs> Regardless, it's <laughs> the things roaming around the streets. That's it's a little concerning to me. <laughs> yeah. What, what what do you say to the Godzilla, or uh, the uh, the lizard? They belong on the streets. <laughs> okay, Move, moving on from that. Moving on from that. Um, I, uh, elephant in the room is uh, well. I get sorry. <clears throat> the lizard in the room is uh, Red Bull Racing had an off weekend. Uh, yeah, they were nowhere. In pra- I mean, don't get me wrong. Practice was practice, and I was mm-hmm. thinking, okay whatever you know i was thinking monza was that kind of weekend right yeah Where it wasn't it, it wasn't exactly max leading all the practices all the scooter or ferrari drivers it's carlos signs right mm-hmm. uh and i mean do we jump ahead to qualifying yeah yeah that's fine so you kind of see the telltale signs in q1 mm-hmm and you're thinking, I mean, I'm thinking like, oh boy, this is realistic. This may not happen. Like, at least a pole position. Because I'm thinking Carlos Sainz could pull two poles in a row. Right. And sure enough, at the end of the day, that happened. But let's kind of scoot back a little. I'll... I'll tell you, I did not expect both Red Bulls to get in because I was thinking Sergio Perez, since he was a little more behind the eight ball versus Max. Mm -hmm. I was thinking, okay, if Max can get into Q3, fine. To our surprise, he doesn't get in. But furthermore, he he gets kicked out by Liam Lawson in his third start. (laughs) Yeah. I mean... I couldn't believe what I was watching. Right. I mean, it, it definitely just not having them up there at the front. It really, well, <laughs> the funny thing that I was thinking about during the race was as they were showing this, this four car battle uh, towards the end of the race, the, this has been the battle that's been going on almost the whole season, but it's just, Right. The the only difference is now it's for first compared to where it was only for second or third because you had the two Red Bulls far out in the lead. Um and and this is really how how close the rest of the field has been. Um which again is it's exciting because you have because of the the way the rules are, everyone gets to build their own car and you know the, there really isn't a, a whole lot of other top level series where you get to do this. Um so to have a lot of teams within a pretty close margin of one another and you can get this kind of racing, that's that's what makes it really exciting because it everyone has built more or less the same car at the end of the day, which is which provides you with the action on track. Um But I mean it's again, these these one one races where like you get this kind of action, like this is what every F1 season is pretty much typically like where you, you get one or two races and that's, that's about it. Like every other race is pretty much 
a runaway just because of how the series is set up. Um, so, but that's, that's the whole challenge of it. It's not just a, it's not just a driver trying to win a championship. It's also the team trying to engineer and build the best car as possible. So there is, there's different sides, sides of this championship. Yeah. uh, I mean, I know we're kind of jumping ahead on to what the finish was, but I'll tell you, you were starting, I was starting to wonder how in the world, like what's going to happen with Red Bull? Are they really, um, about to lose this race. And I'll tell you that I think what really was the, uh, for me, the final dagger was when the first safety car came out because they had the hard times on and they had to make those last. There was no way they were going to come back anywhere near the podium Mm -hmm. from that happening because they had to stay out. They had to stay out because you can't, Chris, you can't make it on mediums from when the safety car came. Was it 14, 15? Something like that? Yeah, right, right. You you can't, you can't. definitely couldn't do that. I, the, the safety cars definitely didn't fall Red Bull's way. Um, and, I mean, not, again, <laughs> to to complete, well, at the, at the end of the race, Red Bull didn't win, right? So that the yeah, the, the, perfect, the perfect the perfect season is is no more, and the and the uh, the wins consecutive win streak is also no more. Um, but I mean, you're asking you're asking teams nowadays to to build a car that can can win at every at all twenty three tracks on the calendar, whereas before I mean what 10, 10, 15 years ago you had 18, 16 races on the calendar, which they would have pretty much had wrapped up at this point because some of the races that they've gone to now weren't on the calendar back then. Um, so, I mean, it, it is a different, there are a different, or a, there's a good variation of different styles of tracks on the calendar. So, I mean, you are, you are seeing the cars do well at some tracks than others. So, and it's, you, you see it more, Definitely more so in in some of the lower lower teams out there, but uh, when you're talking about a dominant team, it's like well, all they got to do is show up and win. Well, I mean, yeah, if they if they built the best car, then that that's the case. But um, clearly, between this season and last season, Singapore is a track that they struggle at. Um, and I know, I what didn't Perez win last year? As I say this, and completely yeah disprove my point but well, yeah Sergio Perez did win but I mean it, it, it's a track that Max has never won at right so it's it's not a not a strong track for him either coming into it so you didn't didn't really expect right. all that much coming out of him however you just with the expectation of how good the car is you you figured that would have been the case um maybe, maybe not as far down as they were. Um, but I think they definitely came in knowing that they weren't going to be the strongest car, uh, coming into the weekend. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I don't know what it is. I mean, is it, I almost argue it's, it's like the different configuration, but it wasn't there a straightaway versus like a right, a left, a left and a right. 
so there's like a like a like a longer chicane area section of the track. So and like I'm not saying that's a nit, nit, I'm not saying that's night and day difference for the Red Bull, but I'm thinking the Red Bull is more of a uh, I guess you could call it corner speed car. I mean it's well yeah. balanced for sure. I mean if they're winning 15 races in a row, but mm-hmm. I'm always thinking it's more of a corner car. I I think this this track is probably one that just doesn't gel gel with the car because it I again I don't have the data in front of me so who knows what where it's actually struggling with um but I mean you it's like the car can perform at Monaco the car can can perform at um the other tight tighter tracks I mean I would, I guess I would put Hungary on there um Miami I put Brazil Mm, no, I wouldn't. Brazil's put... not is not their top track anyway. But no, no, no. Yeah, but um, but I'm just saying, like some of the 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 lower speed tracks that they've been to already. Um, between Monaco, I I guess Baku, but you you trim that out pretty good. Um, <laughs> even even Miami, you trim out. Well, you're you're not running as high. Um, so I mean, and and it is. It is just a different style of street course, I, I guess, in some sense. Um, but uh, yeah, I for whatever it is, it just doesn't work. I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe it might be the um, the climate of where they are, and the the engine just isn't working that well. Um, so it could, it could be a combination of a couple different things. Yeah, maybe. I mean. Whatever it was, they were just severely off pace compared to their usual week. Right. I mean, we say that though, but Verstappen did come back and finish fifth. Um, so just behind Leclerc. Right. Right. And it seemed like Leclerc was—he was definitely the sacrificial lamb from Ferrari. But I, th- but they. Uh, <laughs> They've come up before with him, though. Yeah, I, I think I think Leclerc though was dealing with an issue on the last couple of laps because he, he definitely dropped off really significantly there at the end. And I, I don't think it was just a tire issue. Um, I, I think there was probably a little bit more. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, this isn't really his strong track either. I mean, I remember when Sebastian Vettel got his last win here. Mm-hmm. It was, it was more so, Leclerc didn't go fast enough or something, and then Sebastian Vettel over, like, overtook him in the pits when it was going to be Charles Leclerc doing the undercut, and he, he didn't end up passing him. Oh, that's right. So I don't think I, I don't I don't think this is a strong track for Leclerc. Also, so I mean, I mean, Signs <laughs> is also just in much better form at the moment too. Um, he's he's definitely been. Oh out. my god outpacing Leclerc so uh as lately so I mean I, I think I I think it's fair to say Sainz is the number one driver at the moment so I mean if you're I would say so as well um I mean it's not that that can't change but I mean Leclerc's definitely gotta perform in the next few races to try and get ahead so well it's not just that but in qualifying I mean Carlos Sainz two poles in a row mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right I mean the, so I mean the, the, it, the stats are there it's also, I will say it's not like Leclerc is miles off of Carlos. It's no, just, no, 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 it, no, no. It's you're just because you're just a little bit off. That means you know 
you don't get pref- the preferential treatment, I guess, um, as to coming into the pits first and whatnot. But yeah. But skipping ahead to uh, the Esteban Ocon safety car or virtual safety car. Uh, I was really surprised because I'll tell you the top five ended up missing pit road initially. And (laughs) Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris didn't pit and you had Lewis Hamilton and George Russell. Well, I should say George Russell first because he led the charge down pit road. Um, and they, they switched from the hards to the mediums. And I was thinking they were going to be, they were going to catch him easily and pass him easily. But then again, catching him was one thing, passing is another. And you get to the point where you're thinking, okay, you know, like I was biting my nails, hands sweating, thinking like with 10, five laps to go. I'm like, oh my God, they are there. When is like and and you you heard on the radio from Lewis Hamilton saying, "Hey, can George pick up the pace?" And George is like, "Well, I'm there. I'm going to try to do something," but he ended up not doing anything. So I don't. I, I mean, this was all perfectly calculated by Carlos Sainz. He kept Lando Norris in his DRS to. Keep Lando Norris at bay, but also giving him enough speed to defend from the two Mercedes drivers. Right, and, and you I, saw it. In, you saw it the finish. You saw the finish. Yeah, <laughs> and I I think this is kind of the that you know next level mindset of some of the drivers out there that you want to be able to have in order to challenge someone like Max. Because I mean, Carlos does have a very uh, he's very capable of managing a lot of things at the same time, and th- and this this was the race that really showed that he can do that. Um, I know uh, last time out at Monza he had that one slip up, but I mean again, like with when you're going up against Max and the way that he races, like you, you can't slip up. Um, that's just the way it is, and I mean that, and I shouldn't say just just Max, but I mean like. On Max's current form, you, you can't make a mistake, and that's that's like any any drive fast driver that's out there um, that's at the top of the game right now. Like it just doesn't seem like they can make a mistake um, at the at the rate that they're going, and the the way that Carlos was able to manage the race and control it and um, and run it how he wanted it to happen that was by far one of the most impressive drives uh, of the year. Well, and, and it shows you his maturity uh, throughout his time in F one. I mean, he's he because you got You got to look at. I think it was with Tendico. They made quick the the Mercedes. That is, excuse me. They they made quick work on Charles Leclerc. They they got to him, passed him, boom. All right, on to Signs and Norris. And then once they got to Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz, it became an issue of how well can Lando defend from the Mercedes. George Russell was alongside him multiple times and just couldn't 
get the past done because I mean there's some sessions where it's just DRS and I mean Carlos Sainz he, he even said on the radio this was this was his first smooth operation with Ferrari so I'm not going to call his victory at uh, <laughs> Silverstone a smooth operation because he like yanked the Ferrari strategist's chain of saying no this is wrong. You're not correct. My way is going to get us the win. Watch. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, sure, you know, sure enough, they got the victory. But but look what this does. Look what this does. I think, I mean, this is a clear message to me, like you mentioned. I, th- I think Carlos Sainz is the number one driver at Ferrari right now. With merit. You know, it, it, yeah. this, is, is, this, uh, this is a race he controlled and did a great job managing it. And you heard it from Lando Norris. It, uh, George Russell was very vocal about it. And uh, Lewis Hamilton, I'm sure he has his thoughts about it. But <laughs> yeah. uh, and, 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 and going to the finish, George Russell followed Lando Norris to that wall. And Lando said he hit that wall. Just George Russell hit it way harder. I right, guess. yeah. I mean, that... I don't know if that was that was an uncharacteristic move from George having that mistake or what. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong; it 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 sucks that it happened. Um, uh, he, he definitely was putting on a good show, but I mean, because I I can't sit there and say like, oh, like he definitely like Lewis definitely should have been the driver to be in front because I mean. George out qualified him. He was the fast, yeah. He and, was the faster guy, and George and, was contending for the front, the the lead earlier on in the race. I mean, the the only thing is that they were just all managing the tires. Um, so I mean, I I wouldn't say Lewis sh- should have been the they they should have swapped positions around there at the end because I I think George earned it up until that, up until that point. But I mean it it's it's all it's all hindsight of how you want to look at it i mean yeah it would more experience be a much better thing to have of course but i it's but, but here's 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 the thing because i think this is where mercedes runs it to the point where they miss Valtteri Bottas a lot because they could if if Valtteri Bottas was in George Russell's seat they would have had they would have said let lewis buy and he would have obliged. He would have been like, okay, almost immediately. I think they would have done it 10, maybe 15 laps earlier. And I think what you would have have after that is at least Lewis Hamilton passing Lando. Now, passing Carlos Sainz, at, uh, we don't know. Could have, would have, could have, should have. But I'll tell you, I think if there was – a clear decision for Mercedes to have, okay, let's have Lewis Hamilton get through. But I also think that this is like, now Mercedes has a backbone on saying, okay, well, George, we let you try something and it didn't work. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's, it's also a, a very different situation in the fact that between these two, I wouldn't, I, I mean, I would say Lewis is the number one driver still, but, 
the two have been so much closer in pace, and it's not like Lewis is walking away with the um, with the race win teammate battle. Um, maybe actually, maybe he is. Let me double check that. But I mean, George has definitely shown much better pace comparatively to Lewis than Valtteri uh, um, when he was at Mercedes. So I mean, I. I think George is definitely still trying to just prove himself to some degree, but um, I, the, it's also a weird weird position too because you can't sit there and say that uh, you want to swap the two two around because I mean what are you what are you getting out of it? You're both you're both finishing third and fourth in the race, so as a team, Mercedes is still collecting the same amount of points, um, and then but he blew it. He he blew it. He he did. But I mean, what's not to say that Lewis would have blown it? I think it's a difference in experience, right? I mean, Lewis Hamilton has so many years enough one to break the George. So many starts, so many wins, so many championships. All collective experience compared to George. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I think, I even think, you know, George Russell was probably getting rattled that okay. Lewis Hamilton is behind me. I'm going to have to really make something happen to thought, you know, beyond the box and shot himself in the foot. Okay. Uh, Maybe. Maybe. Just to kind of counter, uh, somewhat counter and support my point of earlier. So the qualifying head to head matchup between Lewis and George, George leads eight to seven. Um, However, the race head-to-head matchup lewis leads 11 to 4 um i think that's because george has more dnfs though yeah and uh this doesn't help him you know i i mean let's look at the points so i mean he's he's 71 points behind lewis right and in between yeah fred carlos and uh charles leclerc so, I mean, he's not even right behind Lewis. R- right. And, and it, you know who's not too far behind you. You know who's less than 10 points is Lando. R- <laughs> right, yeah. So, I mean, it, yeah. it is it is getting tight. I mean, the, I mean, George has two retirements and two, two poor results. I mean, I guess I, Singapore, I don't think, technically classifies as a retirement. Um, but, I mean, he's... George has finished outside of the points in four races, and Lewis, his lowest finishing position is eighth place at the Red Bull Ring. Um, outside of eighth place, he's finished sixth. Uh, one, two, three, four times. Um, and then, not to mention that Lewis has been on the podium five times compared to George's one. Um, so, I mean, it, it's, it's definitely, when it comes to the race, yeah, Lewis is definitely outperforming George. Um, so, I mean, whether that's a case of George just overdriving himself or just being in the wrong place, wrong time, um, it's definitely some work that, that he's got to take care of. A thousand percent. (laughs) (laughs) So, but, 
I mean, I'm really happy for Carlos Sainz. I mean, I yes. mean, I do, I do hate that the streak is over for Red Bull because I like, like you, I wanted to see a team win the whole season. Mm-hmm. It's never been done before. And the closest that came to that was McLaren winning. I think it was 17 out of 18 races with a 94% chance in 1988 with Alain Prost and Ayrton Senna. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it. so it, it's, it's going to be tough. Didn't Ferrari break that one too? I think the next closest one is Mercedes in 2014. No, I'm saying um, didn't – wasn't Ferrari the one that ruined the perfect season for McLaren? That year? Yeah. Possibly. So, Possibly. I can see that. I mean, for, How about that? Ferrari. Ferrari just the spoilers. Um, well, Carlos Sainz is a, was a Toro Russell driver, so is it... I, right, we, right, right. We could play that card, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so other uh, red. Right, right. Um, a red horse. So, <laughs> we got... Uh, Carlos bringing home the win. Very good. Uh, Lando, P2, and uh, Lewis rounded out the podium there. Um, and then in fourth was Leclerc, and uh, and fifth was Verstappen. Um, so very good day for uh, Ferrari in terms of points. Um, Mercedes almost had a really good day in points as well, um, but unfortunately George has a little incident. And honestly, uh, Red Bull did come back because... Max finished fifth and Perez finished eighth, so both in the top ten. Um, very good. Uh, and big points for Pierre Gasly too. I would say I know Esteban Ocon was running better. Yes, but yeah. um, t- I'll tell you that this is this is um, this is big for Pierre Gasly because I'll tell you with Lance Stroll not being in the race, it that it intensifies that race for I think it's ninth in the standings. Um. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So Lance Stroll has forty-seven points, and yeah. then I mean, Pierre Gasly with this. I mean, this weekend brings him up to forty-five. So a two-point difference mm-hmm. going into uh, Suzuka. So. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Definitely battles up and down the uh, the rest of the point standings. Um. I guess the the only other, uh, well, two other things to note. Um, Haas gets points. Uh, K Mag finished P10, and then the, <laughs> thanks, George. The, the the bigger news of uh, of points at the end uh, at the end of the top ten is Liam Lawson. He get gets his first uh, F1 points in his third start. Yeah, ninth place, and he gets two points, and uh, third start gets points. So that's uh, yeah. that's pretty cool. And uh, it's I mean, if anything, strength strengthens his case for maybe getting a ride next year. Yeah, I mean the the rumors are. We're, I mean, because we're going to Japan next week, the rumors are is that Yuki's going to be announced as um, as he's going to be re-signed for next year. Um, I mean, it's definitely the place to do it uh, if you're if you're going to re-sign him. Um, if not, uh, if that announcement doesn't come, then you got you definitely got some serious questions. But uh, it again, I think Red Bull is in a predicament with their drivers and where they're going to put them because you got more drivers than you do seats. So what are you going to do? Well, and, and I'll tell you, 
personally, if you're asking me, I would almost have like it's it's a tough call because what do you do? You put Yugi and Liam in since you already have the relationship made. Um, is Tane and Ricardo up to pace? You know, I, I'm not. You know, it's 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 just a really tough call, and these are questions that have really have yet to be been answered. Mm-hmm. I mean, I so the Alpha Tower definitely seems like it's come in come into its own. Um, the past two races, two or three races. Uh, I mean, they. I think it was. I don't know when they brought all of their upgrades in. If it was this this race or the the Italian Grand Prix, um, but I'm kind of curious to see how how their form stacks up for the rest of the season, um, because they pretty much have been the worst. I mean, well, the standings say that they're the worst team in the grid, but the last race or two definitely tells a different story. Um, so it. It'll be interesting to see if if they can keep that form up. Um, I know it's kind of tough to <laughs> be excited about teams at the bottom of the at the bottom of the standings, but we did did see Williams have kind of a uh, mid season turnaround, which is nice, and it, even more so, McLaren was I think the the um, the more notable one. Uh, but ten teams on the grid. Only one can win, and exactly. clearly uh, Red Bull is walking away with it this year, which is, again, it happens. It's F1. Right, and, and you know, kind of looking at next year, right, uh, I think we forgot to mention this. Uh, Zhou Guan Yu is signed for next year with uh, Alfa Romeo, speaking of C teams, right? So. That's right, that's right, he is. Uh, so him and Botas will be returning for next year. Yeah, along with uh, let's see, Kevin Magnuson and Nico Hulkenberg, they mm-hmm. are signed for next year. Yep. I do I, question the signing for Sergio Perez, though. I would have, oh man, I would have mm-hmm. so put in like Ricardo or Liam Lawson, right? I don't know. That's just me. That's just me. Well, I mean, I know it's a hard subject for some people, but Perez is still under for- contract through next year, so it's it's not like he's okay. They've been oh, okay, yeah, okay. It's, it's not that yeah, they, I don't, that I don't want to pull a Zach Brown. Yeah, no, no, no. It, it's not that he, they've announced him for a contract extension. Like he has this contract through next year, um, but the only seats left on the grid that are to be quote unquote confirmed. Are both seats at AlphaTauri and Logan Sargent's seats at at Williams, um, and I th- think no Al- Albon's contract is up next year. I don't think they're going to resign Logan Sargent. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean it's it's tough. He's so behind. He's so behind Alex Albon, mm-hmm. and if I'm Red Bull. I mean, I know I'm kind of going the NASCAR idea with it, but like, wouldn't you lease a driver per year and then have him return to like Alphatari or something? I mean, this is the thing with Albon. Are you talking about Albon? No, 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 no. I'm just talking about like oh, 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 the Alphatari yeah. oddball out. 
you you could do that, but I mean, I guess they've kind of done that with Albon. Um, like if you re- say say it's Sonoda and and Ricardo at at AlphaTauri, and and you loan Lawson out to Williams. Sure. I mean, they they they've kind of done that with Albon because I mean he was he was a Red Bull driver and then uh, lost out his seat at AlphaTauri, and then now um, has come back as Williams, but. I don't think he's attached to Red Bull anymore. Um, but, I mean, like, Carlos is definitely the the driver to look at if you are going to leave the Red Bull camp and go somewhere else. Um, Carlos has definitely done enough to show other top teams that, um, that he's worth it. I mean, he got on the podium with Renault, uh, got on the podium with McLaren, um, and then has now won twice with, uh, with Ferrari. So he's, he's definitely, you, you can definitely be talent outside of the Red Bull camp. Um, but I mean, it's, it's definitely just a, a different path to go because you just got to navigate everyone else that's coming up the young driver ranks on, on other teams. Right, right, and I don't know. I mean, I just—it's—it's it's a tough decision to make. I yep. mean, and uh, and again, that's why you know, I'm not Yugi, making. <laughs> yeah, you can have a theory. Come on, I can have a theory. That's yeah. that's that's about it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, with 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 Liam the Lawson, Daniel Ricardo, with the form that that Yugi, Le- with the Le- the form that Liam has been putting in. He definitely deserves a seat, no question. Um, but the only thing is, is I don't want to get caught up in these past three races being his only thing to go off of because Nick DeFries, the only performance you had to go off of was Williams at Monza. And, well, he scored there. Well, it's okay, but that's the car's – that's where the car performs the best. I mean, I'm I'm just wondering if this is where the car is performing at its best. And – Right now, Liam hasn't had a whole race to, or well, he had the Dutch Grand Prix to to go up against Yuki, but at the Italian Grand Prix, Yuki didn't start. At the Singapore Grand Prix, Yuki got smashed into by Perez and had to retire. So, I mean, I'm I'm really curious to see how Liam stacks up against Yuki in a true one v one, especially now going into into Suzuka. This is definitely a good track to get that that information because you have um it's going to be yuki's home race which will certainly drive him to perform uh at his best and then also you have liam is is definitely familiar with the track because he's running here at super formula so yeah i mean i think this is the best duel we're going to have between two drivers in the same team right because then after after this race, I think Ricardo is slated to come back at, at Qatar, Qatar, whichever one you want to say. Um, so it, I guess one one more one more shot for him to to prove his worth and see what he can do. But I mean, I I think he's sure enough, shown enough. I mean, you you out qualified Max Verstappen, so <laughs> not, a, not a bad show. Says showing. a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, at a track he's never been at. Right, right. Oh, and uh, before we go, we need to do predictions for the Japanese Grand Prix. 
So, Nate, what do you got for your top three in a dark horse? So let's uh, let's take a look here. So I I, I do think Max Verstappen's going to get back to form and take the victory after a shocking Singapore Grand Prix, might I add. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we're going to have Fernando Alonso coming in second. We'd mm-hmm. like to see him back on the podium. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Carlos Sainz gets on the podium again. That'd be cool. That would be cool. See him and uh, Fred on the podium together, two fellow Spaniards. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, th- I think the... Uh, Gosh, I, I am on that train. I think the Liam Lawson <laughs> train is going to happen. Uh, it's, 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 hey, let's, let's see. He has a lot of track time at this track, and I think this is going to be his best showing, and he's already surprised us at Singapore, so I can't imagine how well he's going to do here, given that he's already good here. So I think that's going to be your nice dark course. Uh, I mean, so what do you think? Um, I, I think Max will, will return, uh, in form. I think Perez will also return as well. So I, I think it'll be a Red Bull one, two. Um, and then I'm, I think Leclerc will come back this race. Uh, I think he'll put it on the podium. Um, and then as far as a dark horse goes, probably, probably Lando. Um, Oh, okay. So, yeah. Be cool. Uh, and as far as my dad's picks go for this race, uh, he chose Yuki to win, which is very okay. Um, I, I mean, I, sure. I get it. Home home race. That, that's good. Um, don't really understand how Stroll is going to finish second, and oh, he's what, what is what? Um, and I actually, you know, this would be a really good third uh, third place. Um, he's got he's he's got Joe on the podium. Um, that would be awesome. Um, and then. His, his his dark horse is Max. I I don't really know how that's a dark horse in this I mean, case. I know he had a bad weekend, but yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be a trend or anything. But, right, I mean, right. Um, okay, Sean. I, yeah. All right. Well, it, very interesting podium uh, predictions there. So we'll we'll see how it turns out. Um, yeah. So and I think I think. Um, I think we said Max Verstappen could wrap up the championship in Qatar, so yes. I guess we'll uh, we'll we'll see how that yeah happens. I, I think least there, but I think Red Bull forwarding. Red Bull can wrap up the constructors' title at Japan, though. Um, I think <laughs> I I think they literally just need to outscore Mercedes by one point, <laughs> or or they just need to score a point. It's it's one of the two. Um, but yeah, so I uh, I think that's gonna be it for tonight's episode, or today's episode, whichever. Yeah, no, I got nothing else. So uh, I guess on that note, good night. Thank you guys for listening to the Red Bulls podcast. 
hosted by Christian Abbott, Sean Abbott, and Nathan Lavin. It's produced by Christian Abbott, and music is by Alex Wart and Harrison Taylor.